The following podcast is brought to you by Anvernic handheld gaming devices. These include ARM-based models for old-school emulators and new Windows and SteamOS-based models as well. Use the links in the description to support the channel. And this podcast is also brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. Use offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows codes and DieShrink for 3% off everything on the website. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, 7950X Tom, and I am joined today by my co-host. Uh, I guess we'll go with 7950 Boost Edition Dan, because that 7950 is... 7950 Boost, no, 50X, the processor. Oh, well, sorry. I misremembered or misidentified what we were talking about, but you know what? Let's just keep it in. Let's just keep it in. It'd be hilarious if, like, I just got angry and did a tirade at you. And I was like, Gerard, you better you better edit that out. You better. And he just, like, leaves it in at the very beginning. And then we start over and, like, <laughs> like you can see in your eyes. Like, like I've been scared. crying. There's yeah. a quick cut. I've been crying. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. then we just move on. <laughs> we just move on with you just, yeah, with, like, really red eyes. Like, one tear coming down my face slowly for the entire podcast. Yeah, and it's like, don't you think, Dan, and I, like, say it in, like, a sociopathic, way too happy way, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. (laughs) I mean, it's understandable why you would get it confused. We may have a 7950 processor, a 7950 graphics card, and, of course, we had a 7950 graphics card back during the GCN 1.0 HD 7000 series. So, it's all getting a bit silly again, a bunch of things that are all of the same number naming. You could argue it doesn't matter that much anymore because it is a 11-year-old product now, I think. So, I mean... Right? It, it's... it's 11, 10 or 11? One of the it, two. It's 10 years. It's 10 okay. years. It's almost 10 years old. Okay. Well, you know, what's a year when we're that far away in, in the past, Tom? That's what Intel thinks when it comes to their roadmaps. <laughs> But, um, all right, let's start getting into this here. I do have to do a PSA before we really get rolling, and that's that I am very well aware there are a bunch of Telegram bots in the comments. For me, for Linus Tech Tips, for Adore TV, I saw him complaining on Twitter, and there's really not much I can do. What I would say is I, I definitely appreciate people alerting me, especially the people that were like telling me not because they were in some channel and they sent a guy $30, but they're like, hey, just so you know. But trust me, I, I saw this before you guys did. I, I don't see all my comments. I mean, my recent videos have gotten a few thousand comments. So I don't see every comment, but I, I noticed when there's a type of scammer out there and I've alerted YouTube. Of course, there- they're just a... Is there an uptick in these types of bots recently? Because they've always existed. They've always existed, but I'd say especially through July, it's been bad. And 
you know, <laughs> YouTube is a faceless monolith that barely ever responds if they they basically never respond. So hopefully they fix it. The only thing I will say, and from what I can tell, I haven't seen any in the past week, is I did do some sneaky things with comment filters, whitelists, and like, that's all I'm going to say is I did put a few filters in place, noticing key things these bots tend to do, the patterns, and it seems like it's gotten rid of them for a little bit, but I I'm, would be surprised if they didn't show up again. I hope they don't. I'm doing my best, but no. I am not on Telegram with a slightly differently spelled Moore's Law's dead name, like the is isn't capitalized or something, and I'm not going to send you a $2,000 PC, but require you to pay for shipping. That's never and going to happen. In some weird font for some reason, probably, right? Yeah. I would say just in general, we tend to focus on getting out content at a regular rate without any misses, with and then giving anything exclusive to patrons, there's a very low chance we'd ever do a raffle in the public YouTube channel in general, as I, I, I see that as a misleading way of doing I, I, it. It's not our style. So we're yeah. unlikely to do that in general. We're not doing that anytime in the foreseeable future. And if we did anything or we send things out, it'd probably be to patrons anyway. So just, just assume anything in the comments is a scam for the forever, basically, is what I will say. Uh, yeah i i mean i've been aware of those bots for forever and they're an annoying nuisance i guess just don't click on them <laughs> and delete them when we and i guess we can delete them when we see them but it's like those freaking bots are a pain yeah but again psa no i'm not i'm not i don't have a te- i don't have a telegram i'm not sending out mm. anything don't click on those links don't talk to those scammers all right opening reader mail Brett Summers writes in and he says, Tom, I'd like to think that Lisa Sue has a bigger and better kitchen than Jensen. Do you have any leaks to corroborate this? I, I don't, but I would assume the king of spatulas Jensen has a better kitchen than Lisa Sue. If, uh, wouldn't you, Dan? If he doesn't, I mean, he certainly has more spatulas. So Which is, that's how you measure some, a good kitchen. That's how I measure a good kitchen. Undisputed champ right there. That and the quantity of 3090s you can fit in an oven is the other. His custom oven for holding 3090s and hopper graphics. Yeah, or hopper compute cards. Um, But joking aside, Jensen has like a ton of money. So I would assume (laughs) he's got multiple better kitchens than most people, even including Lisa Supernow. Although I was thinking this when we started recording, like thinking ahead for this conversation. At a certain point, I don't know if having more money after... A ton of money really does mean you'll have a better kitchen. At that point, it's just, did you decide to get it? Like once we're getting into the billions of dollars or even just hundreds of millions, I I don't know. All bets are off on who has what best. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm an, I'm an amateur cook. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get much more out of that $200,000 kitchen or whatever insane amount of money someone like that could spend on a kitchen. <laughs> I think you're going to get about the same out of like, $20,000, $30,000 kitchen. I don't know. But if you were a billionaire, for sure, you would have a $1 million kitchen because you'd be like, well, I do cook, cook more often than most people I know. I better have a $1 million kitchen to correspond with this. Better have hobby. a few ovens for no yeah. reason. <laughs> I guess that's all the the opening discussion topics. We should just get into the uh, first story, which isn't a happy one, but it is for sure the news dominating 
the stuff we the types of companies we usually cover here. Story number one: Intel stock falls after chip maker badly misses second quarter targets. I'm quoting from a couple people here: FirstInvestors.com, then Tom's Hardware. Quoting: Intel stock tumbled Friday after the chip maker badly missed expectations for the second quarter and cut its outlook for the full year. The Santa Clara, California-based company late Thursday said it's earned an adjusted 29 cents a share on sales of 15.3 billion dollars in the June quarter. Analysts polled by facts that had expected Intel's earnings to be 69 cents a share on the sales of 17.94 billion. On a year-over-year basis, Intel earnings plummeted 79%, while sales declined 17%. Quoting, this quarter's results were below the standards we have set for the company and our own shareholders. Chief Executive Pat Gelsinger said in a news release and said, and then went on to say that we must and will do better. He added that the sudden and rapid decline in economic activity, which is what Intel's been blaming any down forecast for the past year, basically, was the largest driver still, but that the shortfall also reflected their own execution issues, which is pretty much a first time that they're admitting this. For the full year, Intel now expects to earn an adjusted $2.30 a share on sales of $66.5 billion. Analysts were looking for earnings of $3.34 per share on sales of $74.46 billion. Intel stock ranks number 22 out of 31 stocks in IBD's semiconductor manufacturing industry group, according to the IBD stock checkup. It has a subpar IBD composite rating now of 40 out of 99 and the composite rating combines five separate proprietor ratings and one easy-to-use rating. So it's not very good there. And to add to this, quoting for Tom's hard, from Tom's Hardware, Intel's quarter two 2022 earnings report today was uncharacteristically disappointing, but it also hit a new announcement. Intel is ending its Optane business entirely. During the earnings call, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger clarified the vaguely worded announcement in the earnings documents, confirming that Intel will wind down its Optane business entirely. The move incurs a $559 million inventory impairment and write-off. <sighs> so I made just the earnings itself in the Optane closing its own story. I, I, I didn't expect good earnings. I was actually warned by two sources. For over a week in preparation for the video I put out uh, on Thursday, which we'll get mm. to eventually, that this would be a bad earnings. But I think this was even bad for the most pessimistic financial analyst I talked to ahead of time. What did you see, Dan? What did you take away? Uh -oh. What were you thinking? You know, it seems like Intel is moving towards being a, I don't want to say a lean company, but a slightly leaner company than they have been in the past. And uh, you know, they've sold off some of their businesses in the past and they're getting rid of Optane, which frankly, I don't know everything that Optane is in, but I know it's been unprofitable pretty much since its inception. So I guess it makes sense to have Optane on the chopping block, even if it is a hypothetically cool technology. Yeah, I mean... I have to emphasize this. I think I've been saying this in the Discord after the earnings came out, you know, talking with patrons of Morse Law said, which of course you get access to if you support us. Um, what I've been trying to stress, and there are people in the Discord that work at Intel who are stressing this as well. This is a surprise, the Optane thing. They were demoing mm. cutting edge Optane drives, I believe a few weeks ago, marketing them, talking about a new launch, and then just snap your fingers, it's gone. Um, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to project people what people at Intel are feeling right now, but yeah, I, I mean, I know businesses that happen sometimes, and 
when you see something like that happen that instantly throws your job security into question like okay i mean they just cut what i wouldn't say optane was one of their core businesses but i mean it's been around for what six or seven years right like it's been there for a while i think now, yeah and- it's been around for a while i remember god before i even started moore's laws dead i think even before i may have oh, worked yeah. at the even maybe when I back when I still worked at General Motors, they were hyping up Optane. And I remember, you know, seeing the slides a thousand times better than SS normal I, SSDs I mean, and all of this and then became a hundred and then 10 times. And it just hasn't it hasn't really been used. The saddest thing is I don't think Optane has gotten a chance to even be used properly. Oh, yeah. And I I, I do remember that now, like in college, like for well, I would have been in college at the time. Like, yeah. That they were hyping that as like a thousand times faster than an SSD or something, correct? <laughs> like, yes. And, you know, it just hasn't panned out at all. And as far as I know, it's really only been used. Well, I shouldn't say only because it's probably the majority of computing processing power in the world, but it's only really found its use in like data centers to some extent, correct? Like, and really specific uses so far. Yeah. But it's interesting because I had Dave Eggleston on, who was a memory expert. Now, if I remember correctly, he was a VP at Micron. Um, he also and he worked at several other memory companies. Got, brilliant guy, you know. Search Dave Eggleston, guys. <laughs> Broken <laughs> Silicon. It's one of the best episodes, especially if you want the technical focused ones. And he talked about how CXL is when we're really going to see Optane take off. And if you look, Sienna. Um, Genoa, all of these upcoming products from AMD, Fishhawk Falls, I think maybe, if not, definitely Sapphire Rapids and onwards, all of these upcoming Arc, uh, HEDT workstation server platforms from AMD and Intel have CXL, which I was told is when we'll really see Optane used effectively. And none of these platforms are out before it got canceled. You have to wonder how... Uh, quick and unceremonious this decision was then almost because if i'm remembering correctly what i read too like the uh, earnings document what didn't even make it clear and pat gelsinger had to clarify uh that uh optane was indeed being cut during the uh earnings call meeting or maybe it was just some investor saw that as a big deal and they're like so this is i'm, I'm reading this correctly right but yeah you know and again so not only is it shocking for all of the reasons that we said like it wasn't even you didn't even really get a chance, uh, you know, I mean, it's been out long enough that it should have had a chance, but I would argue based on what I'm told that CXL was required to really use it in the interface. It was meant type of interface. It was meant for not just being shoehorned into SSDs mm-hmm. that hamstring it or dims that make it too expensive for what it's really meant for. But no one I knew at Intel saw this coming. None of my, none. I'm telling you, none of my contacts saw this coming even some of the contacts that don't really give me insider info, but just advise me a little bit like, mm, we're actually working on this more. You know, not everyone gives me these big leaks from Intel. Sometimes it's just like, what, how's it going, man? They reached out to me and said, we had no idea this was happening and people are mm-hmm. totally shocked. Um, but in addition to that, I mean, all I can, the only other thing I would focus on is honestly something that I've been stressing for a few broken silicons now, right? Which is that, and, and I've been stressing this after talking to some Intel sources that insist that they have this pricing advantage, that they can price everything how they want to. And while I think they will price Alchemist how they need to, if it comes out, <laughs> um, I don't think they can afford to keep charging. In, I don't think they can afford to bring down 
mainstream desktop processor prices or laptop processor prices any more than they already have, which is to say they basically have i5s costing the same as they've costed for 10 years. They can't go any lower than that to outprice Zen 4, Raphael. And I think pretty soon they're going to start running into major trouble with how they're pricing their Xeons relative to Epic. AMD can afford to price Epic how they have, and they're raising margins right now. Intel's cost more to make the highest end ones because they're monolithic. They cost more and their earnings are way down. They can't afford a pricing war with AMD. This is this it, it, certainly not more than AMD can afford it. I think this is such a takeaway because I keep seeing people say, well, AMD is going to cost more. This is expensive. I don't know that I would assume Intel is going to try to be any more budget than they've been up until now. And so if AMD keeps out innovating them, they're in a they're in dire straits when it comes to being able to price something competitively. And you don't want to get stuck in the cycle that AMD mm-hmm. got stuck in where they were pricing bulldozer way below what was really what they needed. You, you have a point where what uh, i5s, yeah, they cost basically what $200 today. They cost $200 when we got into it. It's yeah, it's it, two to it's, 300. Yeah. Depending yeah, on the yeah, SKU. You're right. It, it, it's, it's not a great sign for Intel. I mean, I guess hope their hope is <laughs> maybe people buy a bunch of those i9s, which I would guess are a bit higher margin, but oh, they're oh, yeah, those of course are much higher margin, but yeah. And again, my point is that isn't that they're going to be forced to make i5s 400, i7s 600. This yeah. is not what I'm saying to anyone watching or listening to this. It's just don't assume that AMD can't afford to make a Zen 4 8-core 300 and that if AMD does that, Intel will just make the i5 200. I, no. Where everything's priced now is where it's going to stay. And if AMD brings out a Vcash lineup before Intel has like Meteor Lake ready, mm-hmm. I don't think Intel is going to be able to afford to make that generation any cheaper per SKU than what we have now. So it better keep it better keep pace and performance with AMD because they cannot just price things lower. They, they're already in massive issues when it comes to margins. They have been. I've been saying this on Broken Silicon. Every earnings call you listen to, investors are saying to Intel, hey, what's with your margins? You're supposed to have them back up to where they used to be by now. And now they're cutting entire sections of the company to be able to afford to keep doing what they're doing with other sections so yeah i I, I don't know i just yeah you know well we'll see i mean obviously they want to sell the higher margin things i think the advantage intel has is they can sell the cheaper products that's the advantage they have against amd right now is they can sell those lower priced skus because i think there's just a almost an six core floor to what amd can offer at this point um or at least what they're willing to offer for below 150 bucks but yeah but you know i i don't actually know the costs of any of these things offhand because i don't work at intel so i i don't know if like this whole what are the i3s now they're four cores now correct four cores eight threads yeah Yeah. they're like uh they're they're 100 bucks to 130 bucks or something i mean i i (laughs) My assumption is, is they can make those and sell those at a lower price because at those smaller die sizes, that's cheaper to mm-hmm. manufacture for them. Which but it, for those listening, the i3s are their own dies still, four cores, that's it, little dies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, but I would think, <laughs> you know, who knows if those are making almost no money at this point. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I should say, I don't know if those are making almost no money at this point. Maybe they're not. And, and what happens, you know, when Mendocino comes out, I don't think that will hit desktop, but 
There is room there, for AMD a, to start making things in that range, I think. And there's and a you, gap in the market for AMD to to release Mendocino to uh, desktop if they if they I, want. I just to I literally don't know if that SOC itself literally yeah, will yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> there's room for something like that to happen if AMD ever wants to. But they don't really need to. And if they don't need to, it's better to focus on the higher end. It's kind of like again, it reminds me of like when Pile Driver was there. You got a Pile Driver eight core. And mm-hmm. you got it for what was it like 120, 140 bucks or something when i3s um, were the same yeah. price? I, I think 145 or something like that, I think. And, th- and yeah. that felt like a bargain, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but Intel's making money on something that costs the same amount to make uh, for like $300 <laughs> each <laughs> CPU. And yeah. that's not a place Intel wants to be pushed into, nor can they afford to be. No. I mean, the one thing I'll say, too, is Intel is a giant company. I don't know how much. I, I, I don't know. Well, you don't want to be a company that's just burning money, though, either way. <laughs> but I, I don't know how much they have in their uh, how much cash they have to burn selling crap at cost if they have to. That's not an ideal position to be in. Um, but. I think that's why you see them burning stuff now that just isn't making money, like Optam. Well, go on. I was just going to say one more thing, which I had forgotten this had already happened a couple times now this year. But uh, yeah, after earnings, Intel's, at least Intel's market cap, fell below AMD's by like $5 billion. So it's finally happened. Like the previous times I'd read about it, it's like Intel fell below AMD by 250 million or something. Uh, AMD stock rose 3%. Intel's dipped nine. (laughs) And now, yeah, now AMD is worth like 3% more than Intel. So, you know, actually a somewhat appreciable uh, difference in market cap. Yeah, and a landmark in history. I mean, this is... Although it does need to be be, uh, stated that both of their market caps have fallen a lot this year because of the uh, recession, but sure. And the reason AMD's is higher despite not having as much market share is because they're managing to take market share every quarter, even if it's mm-hmm. just a few percent here and there, it's consistent and they're making good margins and all evidence is that it's only going to get better for AMD. And when you invest in this market, people are looking for what's a good return on investment you know, what's not the biggest company on paper now and just assume it will always be that big. So yeah, that's where that's happening. Um, Kerry Nosugata writes in and he says, Hi, Tom, regarding Intel's problems and the possible underlying causes, is there anything you can say based on conversations with your contacts? Is there any evidence that things are changing for the better or would more of the same be a safer assumption? Do you think it's a bad sign that Intel decided to cut back on capital expenditures instead of their dividends this quarter? From my perspective, they seem to stumble the most when they try to do too much in one generation. Yeah, I mean, look at their 10 nanometer issues. It's as if their pride at being the best or their desire to be the best doesn't allow them to make more pragmatic steps that are consistent. Instead, they prefer to take high-risk, high-reward-style gambles all too often. I think this is also why they keep pre-announcing things too early. Um, Well, I think the pre-announcing things too early is kind of some of what you're saying, Carrie, but also a little bit of two other things. One, I really do think there's... Intel is, is a company of 120... 1,000 employees for now. 
there are serious communication issues I keep hearing about between different groups. And so mm -hmm. you have one group that's working on this part of the product, one group that's working on, I don't know, the software over here, then another group in marketing potentially, and they just don't, oh, this group actually thought it'd be out by then. So that's why well, they announced yeah, it I soon. Mean, a problem happens when one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. And that's bound to happen when you have a company that has over 100,000 employees to some extent. Well, and then in addition to that, I think they announced things early because they want AMD is coming out and they're like, Bergamo, 128 cores launching, you know, 2023, you know, with blah, blah, blah. And Intel's like, oh, we got Falcon Shores coming 2024. Like they want to look <laughs> like they have as impressive things coming out at the same time, even though everything they announce is actually two years away, whereas AMD is like, it's about to launch. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like intel generally or maybe it's just because they've kind of been forced in that position is a somewhat uh, has been somewhat conservative with most of their moves and then every once in a while they have an a real big out there move like trying to break into the gpus which is i don't know we'll, get we'll talk that. about <laughs> yeah it is becoming more and more of a disaster but generally they're they've aimed for pretty marginal increases at least with their cpu performance year over year until they were kind of forced into a position where they had to innovate overnight with, uh, or yeah, where they had to innovate overnight with uh, Zen as their competitor. Right. And you see Raptor Lake coming. We'll get to it. The new leaks are coming out again, all in line with what was leaked by us a, week, a year ago, you know, 10% better, like single threaded around there gaming per five to 10% better gaming performance, multi-threading 30 to 40% or so higher. That's good consistent mm -hmm. upgrade year over year assuming it actually comes out this year i still am a little worried about their timelines on everything and you know and then meteor like is supposed to be another good increase but that's slipping there's signs they're trying to be more consistent and pragmatic as in some of their areas but a lot of their other things are just you know my actual answer that i wrote down ahead of time for carrie is that i think what pat's realizing is something Carrie said is they they can't do everything at once. doesn't matter how big the company is. There's only so many types of tasks you can scale up with more employees and they're burning money fast, trying to do everything. And they can't, they just can't management manage it. And so that's why they're canceling Optane and why they may cancel Arc because it's not worth keeping these businesses around. If Sapphire Rapids ends up competing with Zen four and <laughs> Emerald Rapids ends up competing with Zen five, like mm -hmm. they need to make sure nothing else slips in their main group that's subsidizing the moonshot groups basically and if they can't afford it then it's time to just start cutting things and make sure they don't completely lose sight of what they actually need to get right yeah or, or you know maybe moonshot divisions aren't always right for every company like you know google has seems to have a pretty consistent uh way to make money off of uh metadata and advertising that they can use to subsidize their moonshot division that of products that generally speaking fail yeah and as if you're just gigantic untouchable and have unlimited money seemingly then you can afford to try these other crazy things and if one out of ten things works there's another massive revenue growth you know that's something you can do if you're comfortable it just intel's not comfortable anymore so they're canceling opt-in and they might be canceling something that we're going to get to now. Greasy, what's wrong? Heat getting you down? No? You're paying too much for Windows keys? Well, come on, you know you don't have to do that by now. 
After all, it's certainly been no secret that CDKeyOffer.com has been a reliable sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for years. They're the go-to place that I recommend my fans use for getting PlayStation, Microsoft Office, and Windows operating system keys for reasonable prices. You don't want to spend a ridiculous amount of the percentage of your build's price on a Windows operating system. Go to CDKeyOffer.com to get a legitimate, reliable key to build your new system without wasting too much money. I use them to make the Alder Lake system next to me for benchmarking graphics cards. And if I build a Zen 4 or Raptor Lake system this fall, you can bet I will be going to cdkeyoffer.com right away to get a reasonably priced Windows 11 key. If you do go to cdkeyoffer.com, make sure you use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows software and Dyshring to get 3% off everything else on the website. They even sell gaming chairs, mice, and keyboards right now. It's a good place to go to to get reasonably priced products and to also show your support for Moore's Law is Dead. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. Story number two. Moore's Law's Dead leaks prove Intel missed their ARC goals, that AXG is a mess, and that ARC may even get canceled. Quoting here for my little write-up, on July 29th, Moore's Law's Dead dropped a comprehensive report that aimed to outline just exactly what was going on at Intel's Accelerated Computing Systems and Graphics Group, AXG. Why were they changing their story all the time? Why is Alchemist not out now? And is ARC's future in question? In summary, in addition to previous documents shown by MLID recently that proved that Alchemist used to have a lineup that was far more ambitious, far more high-end, and had a tier above the A770, internal roadmaps from June were shown that confirmed Alchemist was supposed to have a full global launch for the entirety of the discrete lineup by the end of July, and of course July is now over. More troubling, these roadmaps were shown to Intel partners and other Intel divisions by the AXG group within Intel, while a press tour was underway by Ryan Shrout and Tom Peterson, making it seem like indeed the launch was imminent. And yet, some more recent roadmaps shown in July show that ARC and Raptor Lake story is in mid-September. That is how it's worded. ARC and Raptor Lake story, not launch, and that AIBs have still not gotten enough information to complete their bombs and cooler designs. Indeed, at a minimum, this would suggest that ARC is over a month away from launching with any real volume. Well, it, they go around saying the opposite to everyone else. Additionally, if you needed any more proof that something is wrong, the ARC sweepstakes scavenger hunt winners are now being offered cash Instead of a new ARC limited edition, if they don't want to wait, because the people in charge of that sweepstakes cannot confirm when ARC will be ready as of late July. And on top of all of this, Alchemist is rumored to possibly have a refresh of Silicon in early 2023, hopefully Silicon that fixes Alchemist and Battle Mage is also having issues. So in summary, what AXG's marketing is saying publicly to Intel partners, and even to other divisions within Intel is now provenly differing greatly. AXG is lying to someone, if not all of us, about how on track ARC is. Alchemist may not be ready until the end of quarter three and may even require new silicon to fix hardware issues while Battlemage seems to be turning into a nightmare in development, expecting delays into 2024. Thus, it is no surprise that in this report, Moore's Law is Dead could confirm that the entire art discrete gaming roadmap may be canceled before Battle Mage is even out. 
Upper management at Intel feels like they are being lied to by AXG, and they aren't sure they have the money to support a grossly unprofitable division for years before profits are eventually made, hopefully. Especially if they can't trust anything is even going as well as AXG ever tells them. To those that say this would be a shocking surprise, the cancellation of discrete art cards, it would be, but so was the cancellation of Optane. No one saw that coming either. All right, Dan, there's the write-up. This was a report that was quoted by quite a lot of people, and I think for good reason. And there's actually a whole other story that's going to get into some of the confusion around it as well. But, I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks, and it's, I don't know, it's it's not good, <laughs> heavily quoted. And uh, what were you thinking up until this report came out? And now that it's out and I've put it all together what are your thoughts i mean before the report was out like i mean we've been talking about that for weeks like or yeah i mean months at this point how their initial not initial unveiling of arc but their second initial unveiling of arc Mm -hmm. where they said that it was going to be on shelves this year i mean not this year in quarter one clearly something has is not going well even if uh lol we never wanted to do high end anyways what are you you guys talking about uh was tweeted uh <laughs> i i just don't know i i'm i'm just confused at what this division is even doing at this point if they're reporting stuff uh to intel internally if i'm remembering correctly that's basically saying we our roadmap says maybe we'll have something on shelves in september or maybe we'll talk about it a little bit and then they go out and basically say the uh a750 right yeah the a750 mm-hmm. they didn't say it directly but they basically signaled this thing is about to come out and that was what two or three weeks ago that, that video was <laughs> put out and there's still the first nothing. one they've been going on a bunch of channels yeah yeah i'm talking about the uh the when they showed off benchmarks for it uh there's still nothing off of that, and I guess the goal of that was just to continue to drive hype around ARC, hopefully, so people will continue to hold off buying cards in the hopes that they'll buy ARC when it eventually maybe comes out. I mean, out like we've said, Alchemist is going to come out, but <laughs> it, I don't know when, Ugh. and I don't know if it's worth waiting for Alchemist. If you're waiting for something, I would think I would be waiting for Lovelace or uh, RDNA 3, (laughs) you know? Well, I mean, and if you ask Intel, depending on what mood they're in, like Tom Peterson, one of the people going on this like media tour, which I'm told is kind of a rogue ad hoc media tour that upper management didn't approve and they're pissed about it, that he goes, oh, well, Alchemist is already out. We launched the A380 to select regions already. And then like three sentences or like a minute later, he just goes, when Alchemist launches. So even the people doing this marketing are themselves confused. And I don't know, I don't have that clip handy, but I would point out that it's out there if anyone wants to share it in the comments of like the YouTube channel. Um, And, uh, you know, it's the Juan show pointed this out, which, hey, shout out to Linus for giving us credit and quoting us. Um, would love to go on there and talk to them. They said I'm invited if anyone wants to message Linus about that. I, I was told that Linus said that 
there is an argument to be made that they realized that this was going to be delayed another two months. And so maybe they just, maybe the reason this is so haphazard, ad hoc, and sudden is that they're just, they had to buy another month. And so they started going out talking to people. Yeah, I, and it's just, I, I, the that A750 benchmarks th- that they showed off, I don't think were that promising. I mean, it was just like, these seven, this is how these seven games perform, and only these seven games. Uh, I know, it's weird. And then I guess you have the smattering of A380 uh, reviews that come out, even though those aren't like, well, I mean, the several reviews that that have come out show that their frame variance is really high. I mean, that's not like an Intel-sanctioned review, obviously, but mm-hmm. early early actual numbers we're seeing aren't promising, even numbers that are coming from Intel's marketing themselves. Well, and to be clear, like they said, in these tier one optimized games, one of them was control and Igor proved it had like a some weird almost frame rate cap at around 70 to 80 hertz if you lowered settings that it, there was a yeah. lot of frame variance issues in control which is supposed to be tier one optimized all the official intel marketing only shows average frame rates because even some of the tier one optimized titles at least according to igor's testing have issues and that you don't always find them in one percent uh percentile frame times either that two percent is what highlights it it's a it's a very weird juddering that you we aren't used to tracking we usually look at 0.1 percent and one percent he says at two percent it becomes obvious there's this weird inconsistency thing and most websites aren't testing for that well and i think the best the best you can show and they're just annoying graphs to look at for frame variance is just the you know linear graph the actual mm-hmm. graph for frame variance yeah that just, shows like the fuzzy line under another fuzzy line yeah, yeah th- those just i i understand why websites don't just show that for every game because I, I don't even know how you would show that coherently in a review for everything but yeah <laughs> looking at those uh the reviews i've seen don't look great you know yeah and um I guess the only other thing I'm trying to think of, like, what else there's really to say about this. Um, What I would say is, and I have to emphasize, like, exactly what I did say and what I didn't say. I did not say it's been canceled yet. And a major reason for me putting this report out and taking my time to see the full picture is I don't want this to happen. And I wanted to make sure it it. The full story was told so we could see why it might happen, understand why it might happen, and hopefully push the well, the initial goal was to hopefully push Intel to not go through with this. The funny thing is, after doing a comprehensive report, not just like rushing something out, I actually step away and go, Oh, I can actually kind of see why they might do it. It's not one thing. It's not like, oh, it's taking too long. So we're gonna cancel it. No, it, they don't trust how it's being run. They feel like they can't trust anything they're told by the AXG group. And anytime you have executives who are higher up, feel like they're being lied to by other lower tier executives, they get mad. And they have just had a more disastrous earnings than we realized they would have. And so now that we've seen their earnings, you know, which I got to implement some of that information in my report, it makes you go, they might not have the money to fund a group that isn't going to profit for years. 
And if they know it's not going to profit for years and they can't even trust their own projections because they don't trust the AXG group, that's why they would do it. And that actually makes me, I was, again, I was hoping the video would find some good things and say, don't do it. But now that I fully understand why they might do it, it doesn't make me confident, actually, like lean towards it not happening. I mean, what that this division has been around for like five, five or so years now, I think they've still don't really have a product to their name. Um, There's (laughs) I I don't know, they're on ramp four for AXG or something. And uh, and I don't know what the previous three ramps have been, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I I doubt Alchemist is going to turn a profit. I doubt Battle Mage will. Hopefully, if they keep going down the line, hopefully Battle Mage solves some of the possibly hardware level issues that Alchemist might have. And then maybe if they keep going, Celestial will be up to snuff. But, you know, that's 2025, probably, right? Somewhere between 2024 and 2026, but probably 25. And, and and there's a lot of people that are saying, well, you just got that are in the comments that I assume want to type, well, you just got to stick it out. They shouldn't have expected to make money this quickly, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I really want just try try listening to me here, like why they might still do this. Like n- they don't want to cancel Arc if they don't need to at Intel, but they thought Arc, they thought Battle Mage would be launching into a the most, you know, boomish bull market we've seen in the West with not enough mm-hmm. supply, cryptocurrency mining, all this stuff driving the TAM to expand every quarter. Ah, we'll just jump into there and we'll be able to make money. That's changing now. We're entering a recession. And it's funny, like, you know, Dan, I put together these notes over the course of a couple of weeks. So sometimes some of my notes are like a week old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and one of my notes was, I don't know why they just canceled the A780 nomenclature. They should have like, what they're calling the A770, I think they should call the A580. And, and yeah. like, 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 you don't even want, because obviously what they're alluding to is they're saving an, an a, a nine, like a B9 for I9 brand for the top mm-hmm. end and so on and so forth. I don't think they should have even bothered with an I7 class of these graphics cards. But the reason they're still kind of trying to do this a little bit is there's no money to be made in a market that may shrink in a recession with declining revenue market like the if the pie gets smaller they may have been hoping they could have had 30 70 40 70 50 70 competitors and below but what if all of those competitors cost more to make than the competition and they're like what if they're making even less of a more even more of a loss than they thought they would because of the shrinking pie and and that's why they might make this cancellation earlier than anyone would have expected because now they look and they go well, our projections were saying we were going to make this much money. The market's getting worse. So we might not profit for a decade. And if, go look at their earnings, guys. There's like, I think it's like $390 million lost from the AXG group. Like, they can't afford to do that for several years in a shrinking market during a recession. Yeah, I mean, and I think once you actually have a product out, uh, those even if they're not turning a profit yet, th- those losses would diminish significantly. But ah, uh, it you can only it can only work for so long. You can only be an unprofitable division at a major company for so long. And obviously, starting a new division 
the first few years of investment, you're going to lose money. That's just makes sense. Like they're, they're starting a GPU division, not from scratch, but from, you know, what they have in integrated. <laughs> so it, it's going to take time, but yeah, if they're not profitable until Celestial optimistically, that's not good. And I think you have to like, look at the best case scenario for Alchemist at this point is it releases in like, mid to late September, probably with its top end die canceled or yeah, die or top, top end, end configuration. Yeah. Not, not die with its top end GPU canceled um, with drivers that are hopefully somewhat serviceable. Um, and that would make it six months late to when they said that they, from their goal of when they wanted it to release initially. And that's, that's a disastrous hardware launch i mean you know if they released with serviceable drivers and they could somehow solve those uh variance issues i think it would generally get okay reviews unless that uh issue where they can't get higher than like 90 frames per second is also unsolvable which i touched on there's a weird insistence on marketing 90 hertz gaming you know 90 the 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 standard it's because Not, they have trouble consistently in most games staying above 120. So they're like focusing on 90. Uh, but yeah, again, the decision hasn't been made yet. Let me be very clear about that. If the decision mm-hmm. was made, that could mean several different things. Roger Kadori was just promoted. He might stay there, work on their data center, you know, ju- you know, Arctic sound, Jupiter sound, the sound line of accelerated products mm-hmm. and they might you know who knows maybe battle mage would just be like one die for laptop and then they can say they launched it. Like, so this cancellation could take many forms and it it hasn't been made yet. But that does get me to the next story, uh, which really is a springboard and an excuse to talk about a ton of updates I've gotten over the weekend that will make their (laughs) way into a video soon, too, as well. But story number three, Raja Kadori tweets cryptic response to ARC rumors while others back up Moore's Law's Dead's info. Quoting here from the write-up, almost 24 hours after Moore's Law's Dead published proof that Intel has repeatedly missed their own internal ARC targets and that the future of their gaming products was being evaluated itself, Raja Kadori attempted to instill confidence with the following tweet, quoting, We are very much committed to our roadmap. We are ramping Alchemist and will continue to improve the experience. You will see more updates from us this quarter. AXG is also on track to ramp four new product lines by the end of the year. What this actually means is certainly up for interpretation. But let's be very clear to the listeners about what Raja didn't say. One, he didn't deny there is an evaluation underway to cancel ARC product lines. Two, he didn't confirm when anything was coming out. Just that there would be, quotes, quoting, updates this quarter, which is reminding you, quarter three, not quarter one when ARC was supposed to launch. From this and writer's also, kind of what you said in that video at one point but <laughs> basically you know. confirming what yeah that the that there will be an update this quarter this not quarter. that it will be, yeah from this writer's perspective this tweet should do the opposite of instill confidence in AXG raja didn't debunk anything he basically said we're not technically dead yet and everything that's rumored is true and if one checks the response to his tweets they are overwhelmingly negative begging for specific dates direct answers to what's going on Furthermore, Igor at Igor's Labs, friend of the channel, has confirmed through his sources and shown on his website that the Alchemist, in quotes, high-end launch is supposed to happen by September 29th. 
backing up Moore's Law's Dead's leaked roadmaps and adds that it seems like it's going to be a small, non-global launch, more credence to the idea that the Alchemist launch will barely be a launch at all. So I had to make this its own story because, I mean, you read this tweet out loud. We were playing games on like one evening and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, I kind of said, interrupted you and said my thoughts on it. He's kind of reconfirmed some of the stuff you said in the video just in a, I guess, more optimistic sounding tone. But at the end of the day, he said, we'll have an update in August, I would guess then. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know more. The uh, Intel story that I've shown on a roadmap. Yeah, there, there will be an Intel story at the end of the this quarter, whatever that means. Hopefully that Intel story is at least a paper launch, but you know, I'm not confident in that that at this point, you know? Yeah, and I gotta say, there was some really lazy reporting by a few websites. Some websites reported on this word for word and said, he seems to confirm it's not ready. <laughs> Other websites <laughs> said this debunked the rumors it could get canceled. If anything, this added more evidence to what I've leaked. And that was really lazy reporting. And I even saw one, only one though. So I don't think most people are falling for it or following the bad reporting on it. I saw a comment in the YouTube comments saying Intel debunked it on Twitter. And I posted it and said, let me quote to you what he said. <laughs> so he didn't say it's not possibly canceled. And he didn't say it's launching. He just said there will be updates. Two quarters late, there will be updates. This is... Yeah. And, and Igor, again, who's very reliable, I, I talk to the guy all the time. He doesn't say things unless he's sure. He's basically backing up that there's going to be some whimper fart of a launch in a couple places late September, and that's it. This is not some full thing. Just so they can say they launched cards by the end of summer. Yeah. I, I guess the, the most optimistic thing in that tweet is they said, we'll have new product lines by the end of the year. I, I don't know what those are, but I, I think right now they're just trying to say we're, we still have something, but, you know, that's just saying we're, we're not dead yet. We're, we're still working. And, you know, I, I do want to say, like, I, I hope that their graphics division does end up working out because I think a market with more competition is better for us, prob for consumers, Absolutely. probably. But it's just like this, nothing he said really diverges from anything that was reported on. He's just trying to repackage it in a more optimistic sounding tone. There was some I weird think. like double spacing between words things in the tweet too, missing periods. It seemed like a hastily thrown out tweet as well that didn't go through the standard vetting process. I mean, look, these, these accounts are like usually vetted by like whole teams at intel before they're allowed to tweet and this was clearly something hastily thrown out as well like someone told him tweet something now we got to say something <laughs> and all he yeah. said is there will be an update because he knows he can't he legally can't lie like directly so yeah that's what he tweeted quickly <laughs> um and, and you know here's what i'm gonna say as well i i meant to actually have an article version of the intel art cancellation video out the same day that video came out um but i'm redoing it you know with carbon cry who's a contributor at moore's law is dead and it's gonna be a little bit bigger than i planned and i've gotten i've talked on the phone with several sources this weekend guys 
So what I think is going to happen is this week there will be some sort of like a Lovelace RDNA 3 launch update with an Alchemist thing at the end of the video, like a, you know, like the second half, like after the ad or something will be. Also, here's what's new about Alchemist. Mm -hmm. I think what I'll do is I'll make the article. I'm going to try to, no promises, guys, just like Intel. I'm going to try to have the article just encompass some of the new things I've learned over the weekend that will be in a video. And so the article will actually pull from the original video and a follow-up section of a new video to be like a quite longer piece going through everything that I've said and what I've learned since. And the reason I bring this up is I just want to put these seeds out there, guys. So they say they've launched the A380 already. Okay, I mean, I go buy it. Technically have and what what China, is it just China that it launched, right? Or supposedly. If you look it up, you can't hmm. find the gunner. Whatever AIB that is, I've never heard of them. The gunner spelled with an I instead of an E in the end of the word. You can't find it anywhere, at least as of this recording. Can't find it. I, I expected someone, a contact of mine pointed this out. Like, wouldn't you expect it to be like a thousand dollars on eBay or Alibaba? Like I understand yeah. it hasn't launched in the West, but you would. I can get desktop versions of laptop Ampere cards <laughs> and like weird little things on AliExpress. I can't find this A380 anywhere. And I reached out to some people about this and they said they don't know how many of them were made. They made maybe mm. made like a hundred or a thousand, technically sold like a hundred to one OEM in China, and then brought it along with them to Linus and Gamers Nexus. The, and and if you go on eBay, you can't find them for a thousand dollars. So there's no proof the A380 had a real launch, even even though they're acting like they did literally the minimum to say it's out. And if you actually look it up, I, I haven't fact checked this myself yet, but I just I've heard that Gunner is like some kind of like truly zero prestige brand from Power Color or something. Hmm. And if you think about that, this is a brand that no one's heard of, even in China that every now and then a company uses because they don't care if it sucks. So it won't damage any of their, like, you know, Red Devil or whatever branding they have out there. Um, I just think that's worth pointing out because I, I, I'm I telling you guys, I'm going to have more updates. So far, they're really not good. I was hoping to hear good. It's not, I'm not hearing anything good. And if anything, I'm getting more proof that this really may turn out quite badly. Yeah, I mean, and I'm just like looking. The only mention I can see of Gunner really is uh, around niche Intel launches. So you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, you can't buy it even for like two grand. I, you know, I, I I haven't gotten into it yet, but I have a kind of a rare version of the 3090. It's not an OEM one. I still was able to buy it. I found it. Someone made it. Someone had it. <laughs> no one can find the A380 a month after it supposedly came out for even two grand on eBay, where yeah. I have no proof they made more than 100 of these things. I mean, I'm assuming more than 100, but yeah, uh, who, who knows? <laughs> you would think it would be in available somewhere in the West uh, beyond the, I don't know, a few reviewers who were able to get their hands on one, like uh, Igor. <laughs> yeah. Um, which so, and that tells you, by the way, the people who did get their hands on one, Igor, Tech Power Up, Golem.de, I believe had one. I think Hardware Lux may have. That wasn't easy for them to get, guys. They had to oh, pull sure. in favors from some of their contacts in the supply chain. <laughs> there are not many of those out there. Um, 
Brett Summers writes in and he says, hello, Tom and Dan, with Intel's inability to launch seemingly anything on time and their recent financial earnings call in dropping Optane, as well as your recent leak of ARC possibly being canceled, do you see them doing this to other parts of the company, spinning off their foundries, for example, to focus purely on design? Um, I have, to be clear, I have zero rumors of that. And I would argue recent developments might dictate they definitely won't spin off their foundries. Like AMD did because they ran out of money. I think that's the only way Intel does is they literally run out of money. And we'll get to it later. There's now subsidies coming in from the U.S. government to fund Intel. So they're kind of getting bail out like GM did. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't think they're going to spin off their foundries. And in fact, as much as they're behind TSMC, their 10 nanometer now called Intel 7 is still up there with TSMC's 7 nanometer. So they're I, in I mean, second place, arguably or a close third with Samsung at the least. And so I don't, I think that's reliable business. They're not getting rid of. Based on how their foundries are going, it sounds like that's one of the more successful uh, side divisions of their company right now. So yeah, I, I, I just don't see that happening. No, I don't think so. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, get off of this depressing Intel news, which, well, you know, let me switch the light, but I, w- I want to say this too. We wanted Alchemist to turn out well. I still hope it does. Like, I've, t- I've said this. I've had long conversations with some of my contacts. Like, what I'm just hoping happens is they cut the bullshit. They stop trying to do too much. And they're like, hey, here's we're going to just try to compete with maybe half a tier higher every gen. Right now, we're competing with the 3060. 30, let's say 3060 Ti. By the end of it, hopefully, we fix our drivers enough that we're competing with the 3070. Then we launch Battle Mage and try to compete with the newest gen, 4070 not two years after it comes out. And then they try to make Celestial compete with the, you know, the 50, 80 within half a year of that coming out. Just step by step, at first only focusing on the sub $400 market with NVIDIA and AMD abandoning that seemingly. That would be fantastic if Intel just focused on that and executed with like 20% margins year over year. You know, especially with a market that is GPUs moving continually more and more to only emphasizing like, at this point, that's getting to like 4K 120 hertz is what, in 1440p 120 hertz is what they advertise for. And you still have, I guess I don't know if it's the plural, it's probably still the plurality of people on gaming PCs that are playing at like 1080p. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. So, so there's a massive market that's not, that is fine at 1080p that still wants to buy or not really wants all the time, but needs to buy new cards when their crap breaks. And uh, still having a good 1080p option will serve those people with hopefully better products than what they previously had. If, at a minimum, at least more power efficient and more capable of handling modern games. And it creates a peg, right? Right now, there's a peg in the high end because even if NVIDIA takes the top performance crown with the 3090 Ti, I, recently, I saw a refurbished refurbished PowerColor 6900 XT selling for $730 on Amazon. It's just crazy. <laughs> 6900 XTs, $730 on Amazon Prime shipping. Like, yes, people, maybe there's a mindshare disadvantage there. Yes, people will pay more for NVIDIA, but they're not going to pay two grand for a 3090 Ti. And that's brought down 3090 Ti prices just collapsing in 3090 as well. Allow me yeah. to get an $800 3090 with 24 gigabytes of RAM, which is awesome. Like that type of stuff is important. It'd be nice to have a low end peg. Like even if the 
the Battle Mage A, you know, or I guess it would be B770. Let's say that card comes out and it is weaker than a 4060. Well, you know, whatever. If it's near the same performance and it's priced at 350, that means the 4060 can't be 500 at least. Yeah. So we hope that happens. We want Alchemist to succeed. And I do feel bad for anyone who's talented working at these companies having to deal with shit. And that's all I want to say is in the comments, guys, don't be happy something failed. And there there are real people that are going to be affected by this if they got half of their graphics division. Yeah, and I mean, like... If you're uh, you doubt at all that like we're secretly reveling in this, I, I mean I don't know. Listen to the vi- podcast where it was initially announced that they were uh, that where they initially announced the brand. Like I, I was pretty excited for it, and it's just gotten pessimistic over the course of a year because they don't they're not delivering on anything they said. Holding it up to the camera, Intel level up. I have an Intel T-shirt. I've had mostly Intel systems. I have an Intel system that I use half of the time at home right now. Um, you know, I had this before I had that one AMD shirt that came with a Radeon 7. Like, I want Intel to succeed. And I just, hopefully don't dunk too hard. Like, don't, like, the people working there, there's a lot of talented people at Intel that are about to have a pretty rough year and I wish they didn't have a rough year. And uh, we don't report on this because we want Intel to fail. Some people truly do, by the way. Oh, we don't. We want Intel to succeed. It's just we report what the facts are, and the facts aren't good right now. Um, but yeah, I had to say that. All right, l- l- let's move on here. J. Matty Ice writes in. He says, hey, Todd and Dave, when are you going to spill the beans on the dates for Zen for an RDNA 3? We know you're holding back. Well, Matty, J. Matty Ice, J. Mats, I already leaked Zen 4. Everything. We know the IPC. We know, I mean, like, we don't know the top clock speed of the top models, I guess, but you know everything you need to know about Zen 4 and overall performance. I, I, have, a, I have a link in the description. I already leaked when Zen 4 is launching. It's supposed to be around September 15th, you know? So I don't think you need to know more about Zen 4. You know everything. I've even told you the pricing of the motherboards. You know everything there is to know about Zen 4. With RDNA 3, I would even go as far as to say, hey, you know, rough pricing, performance, and lo- and it's probably, I've already said it's like launching around November or something, or, like, mm-hmm. or October, probably November. So we, I think you know everything you need to know about RDNA 3 as well, guys. I am holding back a little bit with RDNA 3, actually, but I think you know enough. I'll say, especially with Zen 4. Like, there's I mean- nothing else. I don't. We re- we really don't need to know that much else until Zen Four is like officially, well, not officially unveiled because they've already acknowledged it. But they're they the official marketing for it, where they show off their benchmarks and performance comes out. Like I don't think we there's that much to know about it until the launch. I would agree, but in case you want to know more, I'm you'll hear now with this in mind. Tom. In story number four. Moore's Law said leaks AMD is planning a full Zen 4 lineup launch mid-September. NDAs are already sent out. Quoting here from the write-up, well, Dan Parties on camera. 
A week and a half ago, Moore's Law Zed released a smattering of CPU updates. In short, Raptor Lake K SKUs still don't seem to have that firm of a launch ready until late October. Anything before October regarding Raptor Lake should be deemed a likely to be a paper launch, which by the way, guys, on that Alchemist slide, one of the ones I leaked that showed Arc Story, it said Raptor Lake Story as well in September. So again, innovation event, paper launch, hopefully Raptor Lake's out by the end of October. Meanwhile, though, Zen 4 motherboards that had worrisome bugs a few months ago have all been fixed. There are no more bugs that are serious being reported in AM5 chipsets right now. They seem entirely ready, and the NDAs for Zen 4 Raphael CPUs have already been sent to reviewers, which makes it more than in line to be ready to launch mid-September. Additionally, Moore's Law is Dead has confirmed that we've been told that the full Zen 4 Raphael lineup is expected to launch on the state. Now, that, pro- that wouldn't include Vcash models, but I'm saying, guys, 7600X, 7700, 7800, 7950X, they're not just going to do like a couple things. They're going to have it all out day one in high volume. And the only other thing that isn't coming out right away is B650 and B650 Extreme motherboards. Those are planned to be launched after the 670 class of motherboard. Additionally, Moore's Law is Dead leaked in this video that covered this, these subjects, that Thread Ripper is planning to launch pro only with Zen 4 in early 2023. Thread Ripper is coming back, but it will be pro only. However, there is a chance there will be a Sienna-based non-pro Threadripper launching late 2023 if AMD sees an opportunity with sources telling Moore's Law is Dead the door is left open for a more low-end version of Threadripper should they feel the need to launch one. So in summary, AMD really does seem to be launching Zen 4 first before Raptor Lake in high volume with the full lineup and also launching a new Threadripper platform early 2023. So Dan, what do you think? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I think, uh, it, right, Intel also, uh, not Intel, AMD also accidentally, not accidentally, but kind of showed the library that there's, what, the 7600, 7700, and 7900X and 7950X. So we know those are coming out soon. I'm curious where the 7800X is, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, I mean, they may, I mean, I, I can I, tell you. When I saw that, I was curious if they were going to reserve the 7800X for the uh, 3D cache model. Or I, I think they probably keep... will. I, I, might, I, I misspoke when I said that earlier. Oh, um, yeah. But and, and if you see 7700X, it's worth noting right now, guys. Again, Zen 3 has absurd margins. They could have charged less. Like, this is an ultra-mature node. The die's barely bigger than Zen 2. It's using the same IO die as Zen 2. They were making piles of money on that they can afford to price things lower than the initial zen 3 launch if they want to and right now the 5700x 8 core which is like one percent weaker than the 5800x its official msrp is 299 i don't think we can rule out that amd may choose to launch a 7700x at 300 dollars, certainly below 400 i would say and they might launch the six core at 250 I'm not saying I'm sure, but it wouldn't, you know, everyone talking about the i5 crushing than eight core Zen 4. I wouldn't be surprised if it's priced the same or lower than that i5 with a six core price like the six core, or or I guess it's actually probably gonna be six plus four non-K Raptor Lake i5s as well. And then, yeah, I think they're reserving the right to launch a 7800X 3D because there's no point in having both 
you know, if you're going to have them ready soon for like 450 look cheaper than the i7 which again look in some productivity tasks it won't be as good but if you're gaming i'm sorry like a 7800 x3d is going to probably dominate all of raptor lake in gaming oh yeah for less money than the i7 and then the 7950 x3d would probably come out as well i, I don't expect six cores people keep asking about six cores with vcash i don't know why they would ever do that i could see a place i could see a place for someone wanting to buy that i just where uh, that's just one of those things where I, I don't know where you price that you know what i mean yeah like, I, I, I i don't think they're if you're gonna get that they're gonna say uh, uh, buy the 7700x then yeah <laughs> it doesn't make any sense from any segmenting perspective to do that especially if they manage to launch the 7700x for 300 uh, or 330 bucks. or something yeah which if, i mean Right now, the 5700X is selling on uh, Amazon for 250 bucks. So, so again, guys, yeah, I it, could see uh, them. I could see their eight, the new. Well, I could see the entrance for their eight cores now being 300 bucks, and that would be nice to see the six core drop to like 250 dollars or 200 or 200. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> or, or 230. I don't remember what the original launch price of the 2600X from AMD was with Zen 2, but I swear it was around 230 to. It fell to 230 quickly if that wasn't the original MSRP. <laughs> and remember, AMD, its resellers. Okay, so the official MSRP for this 5700X on AMD.com is 300 bucks, but they're still like supplying these to retailers who are selling them for 250. So they're making a profit. The retailers, AMD, selling these at 250. So if they can sell a 5700X for 250, now it's a five nanometer, six nanometer design instead of a 12.7. Yeah, I think they can afford to make it 300 bucks if they really feel the need to. And again, that opens up the an avenue for a 400 or $450 7800 X3D. They're launching before Intel. I I think this is going to be a winner even if Intel like wins gaming by 5 to 10%. I think I think AMD's got an overall winner on their hands here. Oh yeah, I I agree. I, like I think the winner is with Raptor Lake and uh Zen 4 is just uh whoever beats it to whoever wins getting it to market first because i think they're both going to be i think they're both going to be good lineups i mean i think zen 4 makes more sense to buy because it's the on a new platform so it's going to be supported longer but yeah. well yeah and i've recommended alder lake over zen 3 most of its life and i still oh yeah do now pretty much i, I mean i'd have to look at a case-by-case -case scenario but pretty much i generally recommend alder lake over zen 3 to this day and I would say my advice actually is get Alder Lake now if you have to buy now. And uh, once Zen 4 is out, I wouldn't wait for Raptor Lake because from what I'm hearing, and I've already said this, it's going to use more energy than Alder Lake. Will it win in performance for single threading against Zen 4? Possibly. Maybe even a 51% probably, but not like a heavy probably. I still think <laughs> we need to wait and see. I think there's going to be trading blows here depending on the app. Multi-threading will be close. You know, so... If it's like close though, but the Raptor Lake one uses 30% more power, requires more expensive cooling, more expensive motherboards, comes out later, dead platform. Get Alder Lake now, but once Zen 4 is out, I wouldn't bother with Raptor Lake unless you're upgrading an Alder Lake system. Yeah. That... Which is nice to have as an option if you bought Alder Lake now, but I'm just saying once Zen 4 is out, better platform, longer platform, more efficient. It wins like four it, it, out it, of the five I, categories at least. It's probably going to be five out of five. Yeah, it's probably going to be one of those situations where I, I I think you'll still 
want to look at, depending on your budget, a case-by-case basis, but I don't know. It's probably going to be one of those situations where you just blanket recommend one over the other, unless... uh, there Raptor will be like, some Raptor Lake ones that probably are really good options. I just, you yeah, know. and I'm sure Raptor Lake will dominate some segment. Like if they ha- like, I'm sure the 13400F is going mm-hmm. to be a <laughs> a really compelling CPU. Yeah. Um, QH Freddy writes in and he says, what's the point of a Threadripper non-pro if motherboard vendors can just offer boards with cut down PCIe lanes and users can just use four instead of eight memory channels? The existing basic Threadripper CPUs aren't really much off the Threadripper Pro and Epic pricing, so motherboard vendors can just make the lower platform costs on their end if they want to with future Threadripper Pros, in my opinion. I would agree, QH Freddy, and so would AMD. That's basically what I'm hearing behind the scenes is they're like, there's no point in us supporting multiple platforms, multiple BIOS types, multiple family lines if it costs us nothing to do like it costs if it costs us actually more to have two product lines yeah just it it sounds like one of those things to me almost where the existence of both the pro and uh what is it pro pro and non-pro thread rippers is almost just kind of confusing you know and just having a wider diversity of motherboards in their pro line i guess if they keep branding it like that makes more sense from just a marketing and business perspective for them yeah um and and you know this it's for it's for both sides of the argument like one being well we can charge more for it we have no competition in workstation so we're not gonna have the cheaper option but at the same time it also actually doesn't cost them more to make it so if intel got competitive they can afford to just lower the prices if they want to, right? And mm-hmm. there's no real reason to have a distinctly mid-range, if you can even call it that, it's still expensive, um, HEDT platform that's different from Workstation, unless it literally is its own thing that costs less. Now, again, Sienna's coming. That will allow for 32 Zen 4 cores. That will allow for 64 Zen 4C cores. That will be four memory, memory channels instead of eight, 64 PCIe lanes. That's the one you could see them turning into a mid-range HEDT platform because it's its own distinct thing that actually costs less to make. But until that's ready, they don't see a point in making non-pro Threadripper. And again, mm-hmm. we covered it last week. They've already like openly said we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so AMD agrees with you, QH Freddy. They can just launch Threadripper Pro motherboards that have less memory channels or you don't buy all the memory you need to populate the channels or they just allow overclocking support that is what amd's decided to do um local tabo tabo shock shopper i don't know i don't speak spanish i know it's not spanish guys it's an anchorman joke tom any whispers from oems and retail channels on the availability of phoenix and dragon range laptops next year it has been frustrating looking at how slow amd perpetually releases their u-series chips and it seems to be the exact same situation for rembrandt Will AMD finally put in the effort to get newer designs to a wider market availability by quarter one instead of lagging for seven months like always with their new APUs? For reference, here in SEA, Southeast Asia, 12th Gen H-Series laptops were available in retail starting March. P-Series were available from May onwards, and we're just only getting 6,800 laptop H laptops mid-July, and our local consumer electronic outlets aren't expecting 6,800 U availability until September 
or later. What I would say is with the upcoming delays of Meteor Lake, which again, Meteor Lake was supposed to launch beginning of the next year to laptop, mid-late next year to desktop, like basically 10 months after Raptor Lake desktop. Now it seems like push both of those back six months. <laughs> like <laughs> Meteor Lake Mobile's late next year, Meteor Lake desktops early, hopefully 2024. Um, I think AMD knows they have an opening here. They already had an opening with Phoenix before that. Like, I think it was already going to be very competitive with Meteor Lake. But trust me, like, AMD can't make enough. They can't keep these things in stock at OEMs. Like, they keep selling out at Asus. Asus's uh, Rembrandt series is just gone. Just like Cezanne was gone and Renoir was gone instantly. So they're going to try to focus more on this and take more market share. Having said that, I don't know how much of that 6800U stuff is like, some of its yields, like the 6800U is the full eight core. So you got yields that you don't need to disable at all, but they don't clock as high. So they limit them to like a 15 watt SKU. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know how many of their yields fit into that category. Like there's a reason they launched the more expensive models first. They charge oh. less for the 6800U than the 6900HS. So they're going to launch the most expensive CPUs first, especially if yields are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if... <laughs> If there's a big market for the those types of laptops, I, I think it's they should. But, you know, to some extent, I almost feel like that's just a market that, like, Mac maybe better serves that low power, really low power profile. That <laughs> Max performance at 15 watts. Yeah, it's just I, I just don't think that there's as many PC people getting that. Where if you're a person that's going, getting something that's like really low power usage, you're probably getting like a four core still, you know? And again, I just want to throw this out there. I don't know how many of those yields they even have and they charge less money for them. So why would they that's want true. to sell those right away? Like there's a reason they're preparing Mendocino and Sonoma Valley probably after that for their quad core lineups. It's like they don't, hopefully Sonoma Valley will have enough PCIe lanes for a graphics card, by the way. But um, although I guess, mendocino is enough to power like a 6500m eh, we'll see but the, the the point is eventually i don't even know how many of those yields they're even going to make at all they're probably going to be occupied by like phoenix 2 or what i've called yeah. little phoenix and stuff so right now it's just not a priority to launch those cheaper models anyways that still are perfect yields it's it's, it's a weird balance like just i'd keep that in mind um definitely not an intel engineer writes in i had a direct open question Say, hypothetically, one segment of Meteor Lake launches in 2023 and another launches in 2024, but it will be replaced by NextGen before the end of that year. Would this be an acceptable timeline for Intel to stay competitive, in your opinion? So basically, you're saying, hypothetically, not an Intel engineer, that if Meteor Lake were to launch, um, let me see. Yeah, that if laptop launch late 2023, like I've said it will, and that the desktop version launches in 2024, and at the very end of 2024, we get Arrow Lake, is that going to be quick enough? My answer is that you need to define what acceptable is. That's better than the worst case scenario, but I don't think that's good enough to come back, right? Like, yeah, this is I mean not like this pat gelsinger being cocky putting amd in the rearview mirror phoenix will just have carte blanche for most of a year followed by zen 5 launching at the beginning of 2024 i that's going to destroy meteor lake uh, no i don't think that's fast enough 
Yeah, the the laptop segment definitely not, and then versus desktop, I don't know. I think that just that maintains uh, Zen and Intel being relatively competitive with one another. I think, right? Again, Meteor Lake is like better than Raptor Lake, but it doesn't really up the performance so much as adding new features and power consumption. Mm benefits now meteor lake does have ipc increases with redwood cove that are probably going to be as good or better than what well i think rap yeah definitely better than what you were seeing in raptor cove which practically is just alder lake with more cash like it's all raptor cove is compared to golden cove it seems um so you know i mean it's going to be a bigger increase than raptor cove and it's going to be on a new node so that's cool but it's not like an Alder Lake moment and Zen five supposed to be a Zen two like moment. So from my perspective, then if we're thinking about it, Raptor Lake and Zen four are going to effectively be ties. Then Zen four with V cash is going to come out and beat Raptor Lake. So then you would want Meteor Lake desktop to launch it by mid to late next year mm-hmm. so that it's competing with Zen four with V cash. And so that it's there when Zen five launches it might lose to Zen 5, but at least it will be an option. And then they launch Arrow Lake right after Zen 5 and they beat it. If what instead we get is Raptor Lake, Zen 4 tie, Zen 4 Vcash crush Raptor Lake, Zen 5 come out, double crush Raptor Lake, Meteor Lake come out, still lose to Zen 5, then Arrow Lake come out next to Zen 5 plus or Zen 6. No, I, I think Intel's staying competitive. They're not being pushed out of the market in the way Comet Lake and Rocket Lake were a joke, but it's not the return to form I was hoping they'd have. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, what you're saying is Intel kind of needs to, to lap AMD in a release at some point, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And all right like was the closest they had, and it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a complete lap. Like the 5800X3D ties gaming and multi-threading alder like wins in like cinevenge but like in a lot of apps it's trade and blows or a tie and one of them's older so they i i think you want meteor lake out which i believe on desktop is still eight plus 16 but you know with like a, another 10 to 20 percent boost across the board so that they're firmly above vcash and it, it, you, you gotta have at least an alder lake win again otherwise zen 5 is just gonna crush everything i think um yeah but let us move on to non-CPU subjects, finally, with story number five, AMD noise suppression and massive OpenGL boosts added in Radeon drivers, quoting from video cards. AMD's new graphics 22.7.1 driver brings support for the new noise reduction technology. This was something that was recently leaked in a low-res video on Reddit, by the way. <laughs> AMD noise suppression is a new feature coming to AMD software stack. According to AMD, this technology works in real time and is boosted by deep learning algorithms. The main purpose is to reduce background noise and improve audio clarity, no matter if it's for the important meeting or a competitive gaming session. One should note, however, that noise suppression is only available for Ryzen 5000 and Radeon 6000 or newer hardware. It is not stated when or if support for older hardware is planned. Just giving me and you the middle finger, damn. Furthermore, AMD also announced a major OpenGL performance uplift with 22.7.1 drivers as well. The company claims up to 92% better performance in Minecraft OpenGL when running Radeon Arc 6000 series GPUs at 4K. So, what do you think, Dan? Eh, you know, 
not too too much. I mean, I guess I'll I guess I'll give this uh freaking freaking noise canceling thing a try sometime though and see how well it works. Damn. <laughs> or if it does much. You you're this is your new homework for the next news episode. This this is the Dan homework assignment. Mm-hmm. This is a Dan okay. homework assignment, much like when you tested FSR. Um, hopefully to better success than my initial testing of FSR, <laughs> which you say or, has sorry, gotten RSR. better. Yeah. RSR, yes. You say, which you say has gotten better, by the way, since that initial. Yes, it, it definitely has. My, my, my initial, I mean, I don't think like the initial announcement of that, everyone was like, this is amazing, but my, my experience of it was it did literally nothing. But <laughs> yeah, at least in the games you tested. Um, yeah, but now it's good. Yeah, but now it's good though. And <laughs> now we have AMD noise suppression. We have OpenGL boosts. It's interesting. Am I? It just seems like Dan. We do a news episode every two weeks. Every two weeks, there's an article of performance boosts, latency reductions, new features being added to Radeon drivers. Like this is like, you know, at a clip. They're bringing out improvements and a clip here with Radeon. And I think uh, they do need to keep doing that with Radeon to bring their feature feature set on to on par with nvidia because I, I still think nvidia is a bit ahead of them as far as that goes but yeah you know, it, it's they, interesting they this does instill some confidence and i've already covered you know at least on broken silicon i don't know if i ever really got to it in a main special report video but like that all of this is coming from work on rdna3 that these performance mm-hmm. boosts they want their drivers one the opposite of alchemist a hundred percent ready for rdna3 because they think they can win and so they want to leave no performance on the table also they've expanded their company like they have fifteen thousand employees now they used to have less than ten thousand just a few years ago so they are rapidly hiring rapidly improving the efficiency and the feature sets of their drivers and and this is this is a direct result of both optimizing for rdna3 and preparing their software to have parity with nvidia's before RDNA 3 is out. And it instills confidence in me. It's it's exciting, honestly. Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting. <laughs> um, but let us move on to something else that I don't know is exciting, will be exciting. We'll see if it's exciting. The following piece of content is brought to you by the Anvernic RG280V, a low-cost yet premium portable gaming device that can play dozens of different emulators and thousands of different games. And they also make Windows handheld gaming devices as well, like the Anvernic Win 600. Support Moore's Law is Dead by checking out these products at the links in the description and purchasing one if you find them interesting, because I definitely do. Check out Anvernic today. Story number six, Pharonix spots proof of Meteor Lake getting a VPU in Linux drivers like Moore's Law is dead leaked at wood a year ago. Quoting from Tom's Hardware, according to a report by Pharonix, Intel quietly confirmed the existence of a new ASIC, the Versatile Processing Unit, or VPU, via a new Linux driver posted yesterday. This new unit is designed to accelerate AI interferences for deep learning applications and will arrive in 14th gen Meteor Lake processors. With the uninitiated AI inter- <laughs> AI interference refers to using trained AI networks to make predictions and is a key part of all modern AI workflows. With the tech industry so heavily focused on AI algorithms, it only makes sense for Intel to put these, in quotes, AI cores into its chips to meet consumer and developer demand and workflows. You can think of this new unit as a similar alternative to NVIDIA's Tensor cores. It's being included directly in Meteor Lake. This, 
This silent announcement comes six years after Intel acquired AI processing unit expert Movidius. Movidius's creation at the time was revolutionary. Its VPUs could pack impressive performance per watt with a heterogeneous package consisting of several additional processors designed for specific tasks. With this specialized architecture, Movidius creation could pull off four tops in a 1.5 watt power envelope. In the layman's terms, this chip had a power a level of power efficiency other companies in the industry could only dream of at the time, including NVIDIA. Without a doubt, this new chip is built at least partially by the employees behind Movidius. Unfortunately, we don't know how powerful this new versatile processing unit will be in Intel's meteor-like processors. However, after five years of research and development, we expect Intel Movidius new ASIC to perform well. Well, let's get ahead of ourselves hey, on our expectations for stuff. But We can hope Intel's, uh, Intel's CPU division is going better. But Which it all counts it are, to be, this is. class of their client segment is seems to be going pretty well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know how much I have to add to this. You know, this was a set of information I had. I had an obligation to get a video out at a certain time. And I'm like, you know what? Let me round the wagons and talk about this new VPU they're adding to Meteor Lake, which based on what I was told could do all types of interesting things like downscale, uh, but like upscale lower resolution videos on the fly, upscale mm -hmm. it to look higher resolution, thereby cutting down on streaming bandwidth from Netflix. You know, know when to like disable showing parts of a screen, like show static images that you're not looking at. There's all different types of things they can use for power consumption savings just in the traditional desktop space. And then, of course, there's all types of things you can do with something like this or a neural engine to accelerate specific types of tasks that you just couldn't even do before efficiently. So... Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting, and I suspect there's going to be something like this in Phoenix as well. Well, they already said there's a new AI engine in Phoenix as well. So, of course, back when I leaked this, I thought Meteor Lake would possibly launch before Phoenix. Now we know it's going to be after, <laughs> but yeah. it is interesting to see, even if, I mean, we knew if you follow Moore's Law, but now it's confirmed we're getting AI. these AI engines in Phoenix, in Meteor Lake. This is just going to become standard soon. This is what makes me wonder, like... Well, they're they're pretty in pretty much every... Because they're in uh, Apple's SOCs now too, aren't they? Oh yeah, they've yeah, been in there okay. for generations, and, and I mean, many different types of like ARM processors and phones as well, and tablets. Yeah, um, so I mean, they're 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 going to be in everything, I guess. Which I don't know suggests that they're going to be uh, utilized. We'll see. Uh, see what they do next generation, though. <laughs> yeah, and I do think it's it's just it's just worth noting, though. Then you think about this, and you go. Yeah, so if I get a laptop now, it's like, what? What's it gonna? What are laptops? What features are they gonna have in a year and a half from now, though, that I couldn't even have predicted might be useful to have because the mm -hmm. how fast things are innovated with these new things. I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting, and the fact that both Intel and AMD are doing this at the same time tells you developers are gonna look to support this. Of course, they probably won't support it in a ton of things right away, but I bet there will be a couple of things they try to market as killer features at the onset of the release of these products as well. Who knows what... Like, sure, they're not just going to not use them. <laughs> yeah. They'll have something built into Windows 11 to just use it or something. Yeah. Probably not Windows 10, though. All well, right. We'll be forced to upgrade to Windows 11 eventually, Tom. Well, there's, uh, I don't think I have this in the notes, but there's rumors Windows 12 may be coming sooner than people think. So who knows? Maybe we can't Maybe just, I'll get to skip it. <laughs> maybe we'll get to skip the one we don't want anyways. But um, let us then move on to story number seven u.s congress passes long way to bill to boost chip makers and compete better with china quoting from reuters the u.s house of 
representatives passed sweeping legislation on July 28th after the Senate already passed it the previous day to subsidize the domestic semiconductor industry as it competes with Chinese and other foreign manufacturers, a victory for President Joe Biden. Passage sends the bill to the White House, where Biden is expected to sign it into law as as soon as early next week, so probably when this is coming out. The bill provides about $52 billion in government subsidies for U.S. protection of semiconductors used in everything from automobiles and high-tech weaponry to electronic devices and video games. It also includes an investment tax for chip plants estimated to be worth $24 billion. The legislation would also authorize $200 billion over 10 years to boost U.S. scientific research to better compete with China. China had lobbied against the semiconductor bill being passed. The Chinese embassy in Washington said China firmly opposed it and called it reminiscent of a Cold War mentality and counter to the common aspiration of people in hmm. both countries. I didn't read that part of this article yet. I'm sorry. It's just, China, you're like c- crazy subsidizing your own industries. and They would I never do we're, that. We're evil for doing it in our own. Okay. Um, but I, I think this is worth talking about here because this is... I think something where the West has just been assuming everything's going to be great and they don't need to have a domestic manufacturing location. Again, this has nothing to do with like this. Or should I say this doesn't even entirely have to do with like U.S. or East versus West. Like what if TSMC had an earthquake or something? Yeah. Like, is it good if everything's made there? No, I think this is this is maybe not doesn't have as much to discuss as we might other subjects today but this is major news maybe the biggest news actually for semiconductors this week uh, uh, long term maybe i mean what is this it's uh i mean how much money overall is are all these subsidy packages at a certain point so there's 52 billion dollar subsidy uh tax credit of 24 billion dollars for fabs and then 200 billion dollars over 10 years in the research <laughs> which $200 billion over 10 years is a lot of freaking money for, uh, for research. Um, you know, that's $20 billion a year. That's Intel's entire R&D budget plus some. I mean, that's Intel and AMD's entire R&D budget plus some, I think. So I don't know if it, it, all three, I don't think it would beat them if, if you had NVIDIA or NVIDIA. I don't know why I just went back to NVIDIA for a second, but uh, uh yeah, that's a lo- a lot of money for research too. Yeah, let me see here. Intel yearly R and D budget. It's fifteen billion or something, right? Yeah, that's what I'm seeing here. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, an astounding amount of money to try to make sure the West doesn't, or at least the U.S. part of the West doesn't fall behind mm-hmm. in chip manufacturing. Um, I don't know how much there is to say except that. There are very real reasons we should be wary of having centralized manufacturing. Like even if you're someone not in the U.S., like someone in South America or Europe or what have you, it's like it it's still helpful that there's multiple places to buy from, right? Yeah. And that if something happens somewhere, you can still make places stuff in another area. And I, I don't know if I'm going to have time or if it will really even be in the purview to get to this in an upcoming video I'm hoping to have out this week that like looks at supply chains and why AMD and NVIDIA Intel may launch certain things when they might, not even for competitive reasons, just like supply reasons. Um, I'm hearing multiple reports from sources here saying there are major issues 
with supply chains in China right now due to like a collapsing housing market potentially and unrest with bank freezes and shutdowns, COVID shutdowns. I, I don't want to get into it too much on this one. I might actually save that to talk with an upcoming guest about this. Um, maybe a more geopolitical in addition to economics looking at what's going on with a lot of these companies' finances right now. But I, I just want to say that this is important because I, I am a little worried about some black swan events happening with supply chains in China right now. From what I'm hearing, there's already a lot of things happening that people aren't noticing as much as they should be. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if everybody will remember this, um, but when would this have been? Like 2013, I think, right? Uh, a uh, fab was uh, pretty much wiped out due to, uh, what was it, like a tsunami or an earthquake or something that led to RAM prices increasing for a while. <laughs> yeah. And, and that stuff like that can just happen. And, and it sounds like stuff like that might happen for less f f might happen around China right now as well. And I've actually, uh, I guess in case I don't get to an upcoming video, I've actually been warned, like if you're waiting to get the highest end stuff, well, you, I guess you might as well wait for a 4090 or 7950 XT <laughs> or something. But if you're someone that's looking to do a budget build, RX 6600s, I think, are down to 260 on Newegg new. Like, there's Alder Lake budget CPUs that are below 200 bucks. DDR4 is getting dirt cheap. I upgraded DDR4 because it just became stupid and out of 32 gigabytes for my usage. Um, finally upgraded to 32 gigabytes a few months ago after using the same 16 gigabytes of RAM since Skylake. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I would just say that don't be afraid to do like a budget build now, or if in a month prices get even cheaper and you see like a used 3080 for 300 for 500, a used 3070 for 350, you can wait for next gen, or you can buy that now if you'll use it now and know that if a black swan event happens, you're not screwed. Cause I, I don't know, it'll probably have to be its own video, but I'm hearing some interesting things about like what's going to happen to tech prices supply over the next few years, most likely, due to a whole host of factors. So, I don't know. I thought this was worth mentioning near the end of this story as well. Just I don't know when else to bring it up. But I think that's it for the major stories. I think we should get to the wrap-up now. So, this is the wrap-up. These are the stories that don't deserve their own story, but I think deserve an honorable mention. Um, NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3050 OEM launching with 256 less CUDA cores than the do-it-yourself yeah. RTX 3050. I, nothing to say. I just don't know why. That, I don't know. Their OEMs are, their OEMs are always seemingly slightly different for some reason. Well, they have the normal one. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, and I think it's worth pointing out that. As far as I can tell to this day, it still uses GA106 for desktop. It's not using GA107, which stops at, I believe, 2560 or something CUDA core. So there's no reason. I, I don't know why they would need to cut something down like 50, 60 percent, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, especially. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess that exists. Maybe there are five yields that need that. Um, also the RX 6500 XT eight gigabyte has launched. So there is a 6500 XT eight gigabyte out there now for $230. Uh, 
I don't recommend buying it. I would recommend it at like 280. <laughs> I mean, at 180, 280. At 180. <laughs> yeah. When there's 6,608 gigabytes for 260, no, that's what you get. You pay the extra 10% for like 50%, yeah. double yeah. the performance. But I don't know. Th- th- this would be good if it got below 200 bucks, I would say. Um, and, and you almost wonder if this is preemptive too against like the ARC A580. Like, I don't even know where they're going to price that at. <laughs> If this yeah. got below 200 bucks, but um, then Samsung's first batch of three nanometer GAA chips to ship out July 25th orders for mobile SOC is expected to arrive later. And from what I'm being told, though, the latest Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 is still going to just use TSMC four nanometer. Hmm. The first people to use Samsung three nanometer is going to be Bitcoin mining ASICs. Is this uh, Bitmain again or? Oh, I, I think so, probably. probably. They're usually the they first have... to that. <laughs> a surprising amount of money for, uh, and no one knows who they are. Yeah. I do think that's worth pointing out, though. The reason you see Bitcoin mining ASICs on the very first yields of a lot of these very unreliable nodes from Samsung is they can make, it perfectly scales for Bitcoin mining. So, like, they'll make, like, 40, nan- 40 millimeter squared dies <laughs> and just... <laughs> buy that up while samsung improves the process for high end and i and i I want to point this out because snapdragon's using tsmc 4 nanometer over samsung 3 and samsung's planning to use tsmc for a lot of their latest smartphone devices to this day to to this year i should say so these bitcoin mining asics are the only thing that can't even use a a node this unreliable with anything above like 50 millimeters squared Mm -hmm. i don't know just want to point that out um Let's see here. Redwood Cove and Crestmont for the little cores confirmed for Meteor Lake, which video cards points out that I leaked November of 2020. <laughs> but I, we knew Redwood Cove and Crestmont, but it's just official now, which is fun. Yep. Um, i7 13700K, i5 13600K qualification samples leak 5 to 10% better gaming than Alder Lake. Yeah, I mean... A couple games in 1080p was like 14%. Eh, that, that's... Uh, I don't know, a fine, a, a fine upgrade in performance, I guess. Not That's huge, in line with what we expected. Yeah. Um, now, this was one that maybe almost should have been its own story. I've seen people talking about Raptor-like mobile CPUs confirmed for late 2022 launch. Uh, people are acting like, well, no, they're pulling it up. Guys, uh, I said they would launch some mobile <laughs> end of this year. I wouldn't take this as a confirmation pulling anything up. I think they're going to launch the H series. I said they would this year. Um, And any P or whatever series I would take as a paper launch. They said late quarter four. From what I'm seeing, there's no evidence in reality anything's being moved up. Don't expect to be able to get Raptor like mobile laptops till next year. Um, There will be a couple of, you know, you know, token releases as usual from Intel. Additionally, we have the PlayStation 4 production seems to be ending. PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Weird. End of an era. I mean, uh, honestly, I'm surprised that based on the transition of uh, generations that it was continuing to be manufactured for this long. But Yeah, they have backwards compatibility. Well, the reason is they, until they can like manufacture over 20 million PS5s a year, they need this to supply some of the market, I guess. But um, 
On the note of PS5, it now just out of nowhere gets 1440p support finally. And game folders, which I think is worth pointing out because NX Gamer came on the channel. He he advises kind of, he's like a one-man digital foundry who advises on what really matters. And he said, honestly, the 1440p thing isn't a real thing. Like the way they downsize and upscale, it doesn't really affect many people. But the fact that you'll be able to natively select 1440p now for 1440p monitors it's will... Good. Be good. I mean, it, you'll you won't waste as much energy. You'll keep frame rates better if you're in that. And I think they're even allowing you to manually select 1440p mode in case you would rather just keep it at that level with a more locked minimum frame rate in some games or something. So that's interesting. Yeah, and it would be nice to see like a 1080p and 1440p and 4K game modes and I mean modes in every game just because so uh, people. Even though these consoles are designed for 4K, generally speaking, or at least 1440p, a lot of people are still using not 4K monitors. Yeah. Um, and so why waste the energy? You know, just put it at the setting that exactly benefits you. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's cool. That's finally coming out. About time, eh, uh, Sony. By the way, from what I've heard in the beta, it doesn't have variable refresh rate support in 1440p for some freaking reason. <laughs> I mean, Sony why, why, just... Why would they release a feature? It's, a, it's in beta, so maybe it'll be ready for the true. real release, but it's still just like, why, Sony? But anyways, let us move on. Um, and Steam Deck is catching up with demand, which I think is worth noting. Um, they're now saying if you order one, you will get it this year. <laughs> Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that's... I I thought that's worth pointing out that they are finally... It's going to, I think by the end of summer, we're going to get to a point where if you order a Steam Deck, you actually get it within a month or mm -hmm. something. It's not this like just half a year later, we're sending it to you in a week and you're like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people still just saying, oh, got my Steam Deck finally. <laughs> I think this also shows uh, what I'm waiting to see in terms of catching up to, with demand is the PS5 because I'm hearing that they almost are starting to now. Mm. Like once that happens, that's when we'll know shortages are over. That's 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 going to be my canary yeah. in the coal mine, you know. Um, all right, let us then move on to the final reader mails. Golden Bolt writes in and he says, Hey, Tom and Dan, have you heard any whispers in regards to the future of ARM CPU designs? The IPC gains in the past few generations have been pretty disappointing from my perspective, especially after so many years of rapid growth in the 2010s. Is there any hope for a turnaround in the next two to three years? Are we in it for a lost half decade a la Intel CPUs in the mid 2010s? I, I would just say it's almost like you can't expect a company to you know, get 50, a massive performance increases every year and that they were a new kid on the block. And there's a reason there was a lot to innovate in year over year until they started running into performance walls. I, I don't think we're at like a massive performance slowdown yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think year over year we're getting pretty good increases. So see if it slows down by like 2025 or something. Well, there's been a slowing in nodes as well. That's and true. remember, they can't just ramp up power consumption like graphics cards or use chiplets as easily because it's still bigger. More chiplets, still too big for a phone. So I think that they're more hamstrung or humstrung by the slowing of Moore's Law that is just fully dead now. And they don't have the levers to pull that AMD can do on desktop as easily. 
What I would say is they've kind of been stuck on like a five, four nanometer class node for a while. Let's see what Apple's three nanometer product is or something. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's like only a 10% IPC increase, then I would go, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess they're slowing down. And that's not even ARM. That's just like their own derivation of ARM that they call Apple architecture. So if that slows down, like is a modest upgrade again when they have a new node then we'll know for sure that we probably can't expect that much out of other people. But honestly, when I look around, I'm still seeing like 10 to 20% efficiency gains gen over gen, which is totally in line with what you should expect, I think, if you're being realistic. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah, I, I think uh, we're we're out of the five years where we were doubling cores every year or something. Although, of course, see a doubling of cores again at some point. I think so, pretty soon. Or, or more, depending on the <laughs> depending on what you're at, five. Yeah. QH Freddy writes in, he says, re $100 GPU discussion from Broken Silicon 162. Considering that motherboard manufacturers have been making and shipping 50 to $75 boards for ages, I have a hard time believing shipping cost is really a big part of the GPU pricing floor. These tiny single slot cards use far less shipping space than motherboards. Sure, volume is lower than motherboards, but I think historically these cards have been enough for big runs. Um, well, I mean, yes and no. A lot of the motherboards that we've had, though, didn't need to be rushed here. Like, they could make a motherboard for X570 or, like, a B550 or lower for Zen 2 and then just know that'll be supported with Zen 3, Zen 3D for years to come and do the slowest shipping. A lot of the motherboards for, like, they're in the $50 to $75 range for AMD products have been sitting on shelves for before the a lot of the shortages happened or like didn't need to be rushed as much as graphics cards. Like you want to get a graphics card to the market as quickly as possible because by the time it gets there, if it's too late, there'll be new stuff out. Whereas motherboards, it's not as much pressure. So I think it's disproportionately affected graphics card for that reason. Or I don't know, Dan, do you disagree with my reasoning um, there? No, I don't think so. I mean, it makes sense. The it, with motherboards generally i guess remaining at a stable price point for longer than gpus or at least i think they do um it would make sense that they it, the need to get it to market is probably less intense than gpus which i don't know can drop in price overnight although i wonder if uh they care as much if those prices are going to stay stable or if gpu prices are going to tend to stay stable for longer Right. And right now I'm just like going on Newegg and searching. Let me put in AMD AM4 motherboard because Newegg filters work really well. So this will be easy for me. Just go lowest price. What's what's cheapest AM4 motherboard on Newegg right now? $42 for a used one, refurbished and used around 50 to 60, open boxes. It it basically starts around 60 bucks. But this adds to my point though. These are AM4 motherboards they could have made a long time ago, right? So, like, these are just sitting there, and these are dirt cheap. Well, I'm I'm, I'm guessing AM4 is going to start going on a fire sale soon because they need a clear stock before AM5 gets launched. Right. And then you look at, like, the LGA 1700, the Alder Lake motherboards with the H610M chipsets. These are the dirt cheap chipsets. These start at $80, QH Freddy. Mm -hmm. So I think I actually... When I look at this, this does support my hypothesis that, yes, they've been making cheaper motherboards for ages, but that those ages are coming to an end now, and it's affecting graphics cards first, 
And you can look at the newer motherboards and 80 bucks ugh, for 610M. Oh, that's <laughs> that great, man. So, no, no I, I think I think uh, I think this supports my argument there. And I, I, I think that you combine that with the fact that RAM prices, shipping prices are staying up a bit. And then the new foundries, the new nodes cost more. And I just could you do a sub $100 graphics card? probably if shortages truly get better but it's to the point though where it's like it'll be 80 bucks and it'll have like 20 percent margins and amd wants 45 percent now too that's what's allowing yeah. this company to have a good r&d budget so i don't know um I, I i i stand by what i've said but you do have a point a little bit they could do something if they really wanted to just not the incentive there anymore too and Grudy writes in, he says, howdy, Tom, and potential guest. Well, it's Dan. He says, if NVIDIA does a mid-gen refresh of Lovelace with GDR7, what can or will AMD do to respond? Which, yeah, this has been something that's come up on Twitter recently um, and in uh, the comments like, you know, oh, well, all this stuff you've said is coming true. When are they going to confirm GDR7 for Lovelace? And I would just, I need to remind people, all I confirmed is I've heard the Lovelace memory controller can handle slow GDR7. I don't think that means they're going to launch GDR7 products this year, probably, because I don't think it's probably going to be quite ready. But then you hear, and I hear, that they're probably just launching the 4090 and then maybe the 4080 and 4070 this year, not the 4090 Ti. And you go, well, if they're trying to save the 4090 Ti, even if AMD were to win performance by 10%, it's probably so they can launch a GDR7 model next year with the 4090 ti when it's ready mm -hmm. how would amd respond overclocked I mean, model you know i think they i think we know how they would respond how did they respond this generation yeah <laughs> I mean, and may, maybe if there was room for maybe if they could have room for like a gddr7 uh like 7900 xt or something they would release that as one of the refreshes but i i don't know or might they might just overclock a 7900 xt and sell that for a little bit more Right. And I think it's worth pointing out that NVIDIA, you know, they 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 pro they helped develop GDR6X. They're buy they're they these deals to buy it in bulk for reasonable prices from Micron. Like during the elevated GDR6 pricing that we saw in 2021, from what I was told, GDR6X was actually cheaper than GDDR6 because <laughs> NVIDIA was the sole buyer and they just had a ton of it made by Micron. So they're going to use GDR6X, even if it looks dumb, I think. Like, even if we have 24 gigabit per second Samsung GDR6 memory, I think NVIDIA is just going to use 23 gigabit per second GDR6X on some of their products because it's cheaper, even if it's less efficient than GDR6. Mm -hmm. um, and so how would RDNA3 respond? Maybe they can use GDR7 as well, but also, or they just use 27 gigabit per second GDR6, which should be ready by next year. Yeah, that's true. Like, I could see a situation where AMD launches the 7900 XT first, decides to not do the 7950 XT right away because NVIDIA is deciding to not do the 4090 Ti right away, especially if the 7900 XT beats the 4090. Then I don't think they launch the top model. And then we see NVIDIA launch a 4090 Ti GDR7 edition mid-next year at 600 watts. That's like 10, 20% stronger. And then AMD goes, boom, 27 gigabit per second. 450 watts 7950 XT. At, I think that's what we're probably going to see, guys. Um, yeah. And we also know that Phoenix is four nanometer. 
and uh, has RDNA 3, it's entirely conceivable they could do a port to 4 nanometer with some run of cards, too. I, I always wonder if they would consider that if RDNA 4 got delayed or something. All right. Q for Kumbo writes in, and he says, Hey, Tom and Dan, I'm confused. How did the gamer masses go from believing 10 gigabytes in the 3080 is acceptable for high-end 4K cards in 2020 to, in 2022, 8 gigabytes not being enough for Navi 33 and 1080p in the same year? What is causing this shift? Fanboys? Um, yeah, I, I would say selective acceptance of something. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely you know i think i I think eight gigabytes is certainly acceptable for 1080p and probably always will be i mean unless we move to a new system where the entire game is loaded on vram or something but yeah like there i i keep any by the way any any fucking time i talk about my 3090 using like 16 gigabytes or 12 gigabytes of ram and battlefield or something there's a few comments saying tom doesn't understand allocation i do dipshit there was stuttering when i used those settings with the 3070 it was allocating lower frame rates and stuttering to my screen all right so yes eight gigabytes has limitations and so does 10 gigabytes 10 gigabytes there i've tested 3080s there's stuttering in some settings, my 3090 doesn't have. It's not just allocating RAM, okay? And yeah, I mean, I don't know. You have people saying dying on a hill to justify their purchase that the 3080 with 10 gigabytes was plenty and that 8 gigabytes was just marketing. And then now you have people complaining 8 gigabytes isn't enough for a probably $400 7600 XT. The only thing I would say, these probably aren't the same people. The one people yeah, who justify NVIDIA's bullshit are probably not the same people mad at AMD for having an 8-gigabyte card for $400. Again, even though that's kind of the standard. Yeah, unless it's just fake outrage, but... Which, there's always something. Yeah, <laughs> which, I mean, I, you can tell there's a little bit of passion in that because I'm just so... I know what allocation is, and I know it allocates stuttering in some games if I use some settings, guys. And I don't know why anyone ever tried to justify paying like $800 for a 10 gigabyte card. It was ridiculous. The 3080 should have always been 12 gigabytes, but I digress. Brian Schaefer writes in and he says, hello, gentlemen, hope you're finding all the ways to do well in all of the large hand gestures. This is, I don't, I, I, I don't understand what's going on with this first sentence here. In all but, of this. Oh, okay. Let me, oh, I'm so, oh, wait, I apologize, Brian. I love doing that. Let me start over. I apologize. I'm just mad at the 10 gigabytes. I'll start over. Brian Schaefer. Hello, gentlemen. Hope you're finding all the ways too well and all this. I agree. Thank you. And also my best to Reese. She appreciates it. She's doing fine right now. Uh, Just had chemotherapy. She's back to her normal self. She has another appointment in a couple weeks. On to the question. I feel like a lot of people assumed the Switch revision was going to be shelved or canceled. Let me use the light for Nintendo because of supply issues. But those supply issues would have affected a base Switch just as much as an upgraded model, which they could have sold far more of. So I don't know that I ever bought that theory. And doing the OLED model increased other component prices as well as shipping without the saving of a smaller process node. So 
What do you think happened? Do you think Nintendo just sent out Oren kits so developers could tool around with DLSS as a test and everyone got too excited about it? Or do you think they have a pro model that they pulled because Steam Deck was more powerful? Or do you think there was something renegotiated with NVIDIA ordering chips? Perhaps NVIDIA wanted their chip capacity for Ampere cards during the mining craze and offered Nintendo a more advanced chip at a discount as long as Nintendo delayed their upgraded console after the market peak. I don't, that's an interesting theory at the end. I don't think that's what happened. No, I mean, look, uh, the, 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 uh, Lovelace switch leak I had where I had a developer talking about Lovelace features in a next gen switch dev kit. He, which who knows if it really has any, but that's what he Mm -hmm. said. And he said the dev kits came out, were supposed to come out early this year, which since then I have been told dev kits are out early this year. I think you guys might be underestimating that Nintendo could announce a new model within six months. I, I that think having something to right in the first half of this year, building dev to. kits is on time. So yeah, and I think they kind of have to have a new model within a year. Within a year and a half, I think they they have to have a new model of the Switch. And I, uh, I guess I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag here. I've been meaning to do a Switch to update leak, but. Haven't had time to yet due to all the other news going on. I, I suspect there's at least another NVIDIA AMD video I got to do next week. And I want to do another VR video. I want to do a VR video. I don't know when I'm going to get to the Switch leak. But what I will say, guys, is no, it sounds like it's coming soon. Like when I leaked, it would. <laughs> will it actually be partially Lovelace? I don't know. But that's what they said. And everything else in that leak has turned out correct so far. So, yeah. Now, what happened with the OLED? No, I think that was always its own thing. I think that was always just an excuse to keep. You mean just the the OL? What did they call it? The did they call they it, just, just called, called it the OLED. OLED? Yeah. I mean, I think to to me that sounds like what the OLED version was. Is they wanted to justify a higher price for their last run of uh, the SOC used in the Switch. Can't think of what it's called right now. <laughs> but Ye- yeah. So I think they had like another twenty million to burn through. They wanted to have an excuse to keep selling it for 350 bucks. OLED, new docking station. That was their excuse. That's it. You know, the margins way outweigh the extra cost they added, like $20 to the overall price to add that screen and ship <laughs> it over what the base uh, screen was anyways. And they keep get to keep selling it 350 which is also important to them because I think the Switch 2 is going to cost more. So they want to keep, they want to be like, here's the Switch. 300 here's the switch portable with no dock whatever it is now still too much 250 and we're introducing the switch to for like 400 500 that's what i expect to happen and uh well you'll hear more from me about it in an upcoming leak hopefully um but i haven't really been given the okay to give some of the details but i'm allowed to say that stuff by now so i know it's coming guys it's coming i think some people just had their wires crossed on what the oled and the uh next gen model actually were Hmm. all right dan that's the entire script and as usual here we are around two hours we went through it is there anything else you want to talk about anything else to say no no i don't think so brother all right well i mean all i can say is you know please tell your friends about us i have to say this again uh i don't say this enough Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's like the thing a lot of advertisers and recommendation channels use to suggest things. If we get a ton of reviews and downloads on Apple Podcasts, that opens us up to a whole other avenue of potential fans. So please do that. Of course, subscribe to the Moore's Law Said YouTube channel. Ring the bell button. We've been growing a lot in the past few months, which is awesome. 
seems like half of you aren't subscribed to the Moore's Laws Dead channel. So subscribe to the channel. This really boosts recommendations and the metrics as well for us. So, and uh, if you have the extra money, support us on Patreon for $2, $4 a month, depending on what tier you want, $10. But starting at two, you get exclusive podcasts and the ability to ask us questions, ad free versions of Broken Silicon. Um, the questions you've heard on air today, you can ask as well. And you can talk to us on the discord. So, you know, get out there. There's so many ways to show support. We can't do it without you all. And, uh, otherwise, I don't know. It's about it, Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcasts, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Griffith, Greg Pataki, Muhammad Akwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Jeremy, Jan Rauner, Daniel High, Ivan K., Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wojcik, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valcom Alev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamtrum G. Spamtrum, Jonathan, Lord Starscream, General Chips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Gregory S. Acker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23 Jake Martin, My Name is Nobody, Caillou Mark Kelly, HardForeRoom.com, Original Ross, Licky, Stiffen, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stephen Hart, Jason B, Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Rob, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mads, Sutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Clinton, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ah Patrick Grow, Amiable Chief, 
Brett Summers, Daniel Nguyen, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kundin, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, McDaffey, Dalmain Peterson, James Anderson, Ry Truey, Mark Raidmaker, Seth Thomas, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Nerithio, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan, Cole Attic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Brendan O'Connell, The Grid, Michelle Pell, G31337 Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah Nokuela, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Zabito 3, Desist, Thomas A. Teeth, Klein Britannian, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Axel Cisneros, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Morpheus, Take Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, David Eastland, Cameron, Andre Jacques, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Sedler, Eric Osborne, Loophole 35, Windstar, Joker, James I. Roudner, Corey Leonard, Nalima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelfin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Davies, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>